0: Well, good morning. good morning. How's everybody doing today? Wow. How about a little bit of rain? Yeah. Man, I woke up this morning, I'm like, what is going on? Everybody apparently put their floaties on and came to church this morning. And, and I get it. Hey, listen, on Sundays like this, whenever it is uh, rainy and the weather's nasty, it is so easy just to, to stay home. And I appreciate you guys for coming today, braving the elements, and making your way out here. And uh, we're in a series right now called Life Coach. And it is a series as we're talking about the Holy Spirit. Because one of the things, uh, you know, the talk today is about having a life coach within your life. Somebody to encourage you and coach you and talk to you about the things in your life that need to change to help you be the best you that you can be. And here's the cool part. Uh, Over 2,000 years ago, whenever Jesus was here on the earth and he was getting ready to leave and go back to heaven... Uh, he was preparing his disciples and he said guys there's one who is going to come the, the holy spirit who will in essence be a life coach to you he'll be the to help be here to help you make the best you that you can be and so that's what we're talking about we've talked about so many different aspects of the holy spirit over the last several weeks and today we're going to take a little bit different turn and talk about something that, that maybe you hadn't thought about regarding the Holy Spirit. But before we do that, let me do this. Let me make a quick, uh, just to let everybody on, on, online know that how much we appreciate you for joining us online. Lots of people probably today watching. And if you are here today as a first-time guest, let me welcome you. My name is Jay. My wife, Stacy and I are the pastors here. And church, I mean, let's give all of our first-time guests and those watching online a great big journey. Church, welcome this morning. And I want to take a moment to invite you to come out to be a part of step three of our growth track tonight. There's a lot of people who want to know about getting involved here at Journey. And we always point everybody towards our growth track. Because what our growth track does is it helps you begin to understand who we are as a church, what our vision is. Uh, helps you grow in your relationship with Christ, but it also enables you to be able to, to meet some of the leadership and join a team. Everybody wants to know, we're not get one of those cool serve shirts for the class tonight. Uh, if you come this evening and, and interact and join the team, then you get one of those cool serve shirts. So here's what's going on this evening, five o'clock. Everybody say five o'clock. Uh-huh. We have our uh, step three, be here. It's gonna be a great class and we are gonna have a lot of fun. And so official announcement from me to you. Look at your neighbor and say, hope you come tonight. It's going to be awesome. Now, here's what I want to do today. I want to do something a little bit different. Uh, Today, we're going to kind of take the first probably three quarters of this message, and we're going to shift into teaching mode. And then the last quarter part, I'm going to talk to you about an aspect of the Holy Spirit. We're going to kind of go more into preach mode. But the reason why I say that is because there's a lot of things going into this message that I want to kind of give you some context, kind of want to give you some background history on. If you have your Bible, take it out. Go to the book of Galatians in the New Testament. And let me kind of help you understand the direction that we're going to go today. Today, we, we over the last several weeks, we've talked about the role of the Holy Spirit, who He is. Uh, we've talked about the giftings of the Spirit. And today, I want to talk to you about the fruit of the Spirit. Now, a lot of people, whenever it comes to talking about the fruit of the Spirit, they have an understanding of, oh, oh yeah, that's things like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. And some people are like, you know what, I like that love part and that peace part But, you know, patience and kindness, I don't know if I want to flow in that today, you know. Well, the fruit of the Spirit is not optional. It's not pick and choose. It is something that is to be a part of our life as a believer. The Holy Spirit leads us and directs us. And so today, what I want to do is, as we talk about this, I want to kind of give you the background history of why Paul actually had to address this to the church in the Galatia region. Now, here's what you may not realize. If you are new to the church, maybe new to your faith, uh, Paul actually was an early leader uh, in the early church. And he was one of these guys. He was Jewish, uh, very educated, uh, knew the the Torah, knew the word, all these things. And he was the one who was responsible for uh, persecuting Christians in the early church had a miraculous experience with Jesus. His life was changed as he made that decision to surrender everything that he was to Jesus. And he started serving God and and actually was was very important within the early churches. He went out and planted churches and helped the formation of the early church. Now, here's the thing. The early church was a lot like the church today except they didn't have projectors and you know all that kind of stuff. But they had issues, they had questions, they had things that would pop up in the early church. And Paul, as a leader within the church, he was one who was responsible for answering a lot of those questions. Now here's the thing. Paul would actually write letters to them as he would receive letters and questions because when the early church had, had an issue pop up, they couldn't fire off an email or send a text They had to to write a letter. And I know a lot of people in here who are like under the age of 25 are like, you know, were letters like really a real thing, you know? Like, you know, I've seen them in museums and stuff, but I mean, never really written one. But here's the deal. In the early church, they would. They would write these letters and Paul would respond back to them to deal with what was going on. And we had, the church, early church, adopted these letters as a part of the authorized canon or order of Scripture. And we look at these, what we call books in the New Testament. They actually were letters between Paul and the different churches within that region. Now, Paul whenever he wrote, and one of the things I like about his writing style is that he actually liked to compare. He he liked to show people the difference between two things. He would make a comparison, show the contrast. He would say things like, hey, uh, let's look at the difference between, between freedom and slavery, and he would help people understand. In that day and age, they really had a great understanding of slavery because it was something that was a part of their culture. Now today, When we think about slavery, we think, you know, years ago, the the blight on this country and one of the the parts of the history of this nation that was not so good, and, and we say, well, that's awful because we all agree that slavery is absolutely horrible. But today, to help us understand a little bit more about slavery, maybe you think about sex trafficking or human trafficking or something in that nature, and you begin to understand, oh, now I really have an understanding of what slavery would look like. And so here's Paul, he's talking to the culture of that day and saying you have freedom here and you have slavery here and let me help you understand the difference between the two. He also used the comparison between life in the spirit and life in the flesh. He helped them begin to understand the difference. Life in the spirit is allowing as a Christian the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, to lead you and direct you as the Greek describes the Holy Spirit as the Paracletos, one who would uh, come alongside of you and guide you and comfort you and empower you and give you wisdom and all these different attributes that he brings into your life. Paul's saying, hey listen, there's two things here. You can live life being led by the Spirit or you can live life being led by your flesh, by the sin nature. Me, myself, and I, I've got this. I think I know what is best for my life. And he's trying to help people understand the difference between the two. Especially within the church, within the church of Galatia. And the reason why is because some awesome things had taken place within this church. People giving their hearts to Christ. They were beginning to serve the Lord. And they had experienced tremendous freedom. But what happened was they had different religious people come within the church. Ones who were known as Judaizers. Everybody say Judaizers. You're or you learned something new at church today, and here's what that was. It was somebody who was a part of the Jewish faith, and they would come into the early Christian church, and there were tenets of Christianity, tenets of Judaism, and they would teach the people within the church, if you want to serve Jesus, you've got to adopt these Jewish things within your life as well. In other words, there's different things that you need to apply to yourself. And one of the major issues within the early church was if somebody was not Jewish and they gave their heart to Christ, the Judaizers taught that you had to be circumcised as a man to be able to step into Christianity and walk in relationship with God. Now, let me tell you something. That is not a good thing for church membership, okay? Just saying, all right? Can you imagine the step one class if that was one of our steps? You know, people be like, yeah, I don't think so. All right. But that's what was going on here in the early church. And Paul, he's dealing with this. He is very frustrated because he is watching these ones who had experienced tremendous freedom in Christ. They are giving up their freedom to start to follow these rules, these traditions, this religion. And he says this, Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. If you have your Bible, you can look at this with me. Uh, If you have your your Bible app, you can open that that up. And don't forget that your sermon notes are always there within your Bible, uh, within that Bible app if you want to follow along. If you're like me, if you say, look, I want paper, they always have paper copies of the notes at at the Welcome Center that are available for you. But let's look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. Because you kind of see Paul's frustration come out here. He says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Two words, stand firm and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. In other words, hey church, wake up. You experienced tremendous freedom in Jesus. And now all of a sudden you have let these ones come into the church who are putting religious tradition and order on you and they are stealing away the freedom. That you found in Jesus Christ now here's the reason why I look at that and I think of religion because Paul was frustrated by religion when I say religion I'm not talking about a denomination I'm talking about equating Christianity to rules opinions views or even attitudes And religion is something that actually can enslave us. And the reason why is because religion becomes about pleasing a person or a group of persons rather than pleasing God. It's about trying to jump through a bunch of hoops to make all these people happy because of the views that they have. And here's what happens. If you're not careful, religion can quickly turn somewhat abusive. People can take their views, their ideas, what they look at the Bible, and attach traditions to it, just like the Judaizers, and they can begin to beat you up with the Word of God. Now, here's a question. How many of you in here have ever been beat up? Raise your hand, okay? Any of you guys have been in a fight in high school, you know? Uh, yeah. It, it's, how does it feel to be beat up? Not good. Not too good. You know, I, I haven't been in a whole lot of fights, but uh, I got in a fight in high school, and... I remember I was walking into the locker room and this guy said, hey, I want to fight you. And I'm like, well, why do you want to fight? And he was like, I I just, I don't know. I just feel like fighting today. Let's fight. And I'm like, well, bro, if we're going to fight, you got to have like a, like a good reason for it, you know? And he was like, no, don't have a good reason. Just want to fight. And so I go, I'm like, dude, we're not doing this today. I walked into the locker room and he punched me in the back of the head, knocked me out. You know, look at your neighbor and say, that's a bad deal. It really was. And I remember the I, only time in my life I've ever been knocked out like that. Woke up a little while later, I'm like, what's up? You know? Now here's the crazy part of the story. The guy comes back to me a couple weeks later and actually apologizes to me and says, look, I really shouldn't have done that. That wasn't you know, all that good for me to do that. I shouldn't have knocked you out. And I'm like, well, do I get to knock you out now? No, I didn't say that. But it never feels good to get beat up. Am I Right. But what about getting beat up spiritually? What about whenever somebody uses the word of God based on their opinion? Even sometimes the Bible might not even say what it is that they are saying. But because they have formulated within their mind this or that or whatever is a conviction of my life. And they take that and they begin to beat you up with it. It's never a healthy thing to live in. And Paul was very frustrated by this. Because you had these ones coming into the church, these Judaizers, these religious people who were using the word of God, using the law to beat people up. Paul, he begins to reflect back to his teaching being raised up. And, And he thinks back to Old Testament times and the law and all these things that God had put in place to give people boundaries to live within. And here's what's wild about that. You think about, you go from the Old New Testament into the Old Testament, and you see the law that was put in place to give mankind boundaries to live within, but nobody could fulfill the law. And it's the very reason why all of us, look at your neighbor and say, that means you and And me, all of us, we all need Jesus, right? Because through Jesus we find forgiveness, and through Jesus we find hope and life. And what we see whenever we look into the word of God is we need Jesus because none of us can fulfill the law. And God's word that we see today that applies to us, it gives us boundaries even this day to live within. Now, you think about boundaries. Boundaries are good because boundaries keep us from stepping out of line. It's kind of like this. Within this country, we have boundaries put in place known as laws that we follow. It's kind of, think of it in this way. How many of you, when you get behind the wheel of your car and, and you begin to drive and you see that sign on the side of the road that says speed limit 45, 55, 65, whatever it might be, how many of you in here say, you know what, I need to follow that. Raise your hand. Oh, okay. <laughs> we, like four people raise their hand. Like, man, we really need to delve deep with this message. I don't know where to go with this now. (laughs) Well, here's the question. Why is that sign there? To keep you safe? To keep others on the road around you safe? How many of you in this room say, you know what? That sign, I know as long as it says 55, I'm good for five miles over. Anybody? Okay. (laughs) Okay. There's always a little bit of wiggle room. Well, how many of you in here say, you know what, when I see that sign, I know I'm good for 10 and 15 over. My gosh. I, I'm just, I'm just like blown away by that. I'm about five over, but that, that's about it. But let me tell you something. Those signs that we see, whether it's a speed limit sign or a yield sign, or a stop sign they're there to protect us they're there to protect others as well and when we look at what God's word tells us and the instruction that it gives us it is there for our own benefit but it's also there for the benefit of others as well boundaries are valuable boundaries are good That's why we see the word of God, the truth that we have, that we apply it to our life because it's it's there for our benefit. It's there for the benefit of others around us as well. But if we're not careful, sometimes religious-minded people can get a hold of the word of God and they can begin to use it to beat other people up based off of their opinion, their attitude, or their view, their mindset. Here's the thing, though. Because we think about the truth of God's word, and we need that for our life. Would you agree with that? But here's what else we also need, and Paul is talking about this as well. We also need God's grace his grace is an amazing thing but just like grace if you're not careful just like religious people can take the word of God and the truth associated with it and they can sometimes take it and begin to use it to abuse or to beat people up with it you got to be careful because liberal-minded people can also begin to abuse God's grace they can begin to say things like you know what I can live my life however I want to. I can do whatever I want to because God's grace is there to cover me. Let me share something with you. Yes, God's grace is there to cover us. God's grace is there for us, but we are never meant to abuse God's grace. Amen? Yeah. And here's what I want to tell you. There's some bad teaching out there right now regarding God's grace. There's the mindset of what's known as universalism. Maybe you've never heard of that. And basically, that is the teaching that, that everybody is made right with God. Uh, there's some teaching that even goes far enough to say that in the end, even the devil is reconciled to God. And everybody, doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter how you live, what you believe, everybody gets into heaven. That is bad teaching, this bad theology based off of man's opinion or attitude or mindset. There's also a movement known as the hyper grace movement, and the hyper grace movement teaches this when Jesus paid everything at the cross, everything was done for us, so there's no need to repent for anything within your life. There's no need to pray, there's no need to read your Bible, there's no need to go to church. Because grace covers everything. It's known as, I like to call it sloppy grace. Anything goes, live however you want to because Jesus paid for everything. And we see these things that today are problematic, but remember what I said earlier, the same issues that we battle today within the church, they also battle the same things within the early church. And here's the Apostle Paul. He wanted all of us to understand that we need the truth of God's word to live our lives by. We're not called to get caught up in a religious mindset. We beat people up with the word of God. But we are called to live with the truth of God's word within our life. Walking every day and allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us. But we're also called to walk in God's grace as well as we walk throughout life. We need boundaries. But here's what I want you to get. We need boundaries. But Christianity is not about having a list of rules that you are checking off as you follow. Okay? So Paul, and I'm going to take you into Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to look at quite a long passage of Scripture here. Because Paul's dealing with with all of these things that are happening with the early church. And as he deals with this, then he gets off into the fruit of the Spirit. Here's what he says. He says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the spirit, what is contrary to the flesh? They are in conflict. Everybody say conflict. conflict. They're in conflict with each other. You know what that means? There is a battle going on inside of you. There's a battle going on inside of me. The Holy Spirit is trying to lead us in our flesh. That, that sin nature says, no, 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 no. You don't need to do that. You need to do this. And here's where we come to Are we gonna let the Holy Spirit win? Or are we gonna let our flesh win? And Paul begins to tell us what that really means. He says, uh, so that you do not do what you want, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, we read on because he begins to describe to us what it looks like when you live, live your life according to the flesh or the sin nature versus living your life by the Holy Spirit leading you and directing you. He says this in verse 19. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry of witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now... That kind of flies in the face of the hyper-grace movement. That kind of flies in the face of universalism. That Paul say, hey, if you live your life by the sin nature, by the flesh, you're not going to make it into heaven. Now, somebody might hear all that and say, well, okay, that pastor, said, that's good. But, I mean, you know, we're talking about things here like, like orgies and idolatry and witchcraft. I mean, seriously, that, I don't have any of that going on in my life. Well, let me read to you a translation I used this last week as well, the message translation, and I read this this past week and I like the way that it reads because it really brings it into how we talk today. And Paul says it's that same exact passage of scripture. He says, it is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, "...frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied wants, a brutal temper, an impotence to be loved or loved, divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions... Ugly parodies of community. Look at the next forwards. I could go on. I like that. This isn't the first time I've warned you, you know. If you use your freedom this way, you will not inherit God's kingdom. In other words, if you live for yourself, if you pursue the things of this world, you're not going to make it into heaven. So the choice is ours. Are we going to live for Jesus? Or are we going to live for the world? Paul goes on. You you get a picture there of what it looks like to live your life according to the flesh or the sin nature. But then he starts talking about something that he refers to as the fruit of the Spirit. Now, let 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 me clarify something. He is not calling it the fruits of the Spirit. He calls it the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, you're not going to have just one or two of the different fruits that you pick within your life but the fruit of the spirit is something that as you walk step by step with the holy spirit leading you and directing you these are the byproducts of the holy spirit being at work within your life he begins to produce fruit within your life this is what it looks like he says this but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace forbearance kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. And since we live by the Spirit, look at this next part, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. I like that phrase there, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Now, one of the things I want to help you understand here, he's talking about crucifying the flesh. Remember the battle that I talked to you about earlier that rages inside of us? The Holy Spirit at work within us trying to to direct us and lead us and then that flesh says, no, 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 you need to do this. As a body of Christ, we have a decision to make. Are we going to choose to crucify our flesh, to put it to death within our life, to allow our relationship with the Holy Spirit and the relationship that we have with God to grow and to thrive? As we make that choice then we begin to see more and more of the fruit of the spirit at work within our life growing and ministering not just to us but to people all around us and here's what i like as we walk out a spirit-led life we begin to see the holy spirit living in us and producing that fruit within us that makes a difference not just to us but to other people all around us so here's what i want to do a lot of teaching going up to that but now let's talk about the fruit of the spirit Because there's three attributes about the fruit of the Spirit that everybody within the body of Christ needs to know. And here they are. The first thing is this, is that fruit is visible. Everybody say visible. Visible. It is something that is seen within our life. And here's what I'm going to tell you. You are producing fruit within your life. But what does it look like? Does it look like Jesus? Or does it look like the world? Does it look like the character and the nature of God? or does it look like the things of the world we all produce fruit fruit is visible and God wants people to see Jesus in us that is how we build the kingdom of God that is how we make a difference within this world is by letting people see Jesus in us through our actions through our attitude through our mindset and so the question begs to be asked are you like the world are you like Jesus because fruit is visible Here's the next thing that you need to understand that fruit is recognizable. In other words, think of it like this when you go to a fruit market and you decide that I want some blueberries, how do you know that you're going to get blueberries? You recognize them. First of all, they're what? They're blue. If you go to get blueberries and they're red, you're in the wrong section, okay? (laughs) You're going to get blueberries. You're going to recognize, first of all, these are blue. Second of all, they're berries. And thirdly, they're delicious, okay? You're going to be able to recognize that fruit that you want within your life. And guess what? The different fruit of the Spirit is recognizable within our life. People People are able to identify Jesus based on the fruit that we display. And they can tell the difference between what's real and fake rather quickly. And so as our relationship with God grows, and we grow in intimacy, and we allow the Holy Spirit more and more access to our heart and our life, and he changes us more and more, then guess what? More and more of the fruit of the Spirit is produced within us. And it is attractive to people. Now, I don't know about you, but I I love fruit. Everybody else love fruit in here? I got some fruit in our refrigerator right now. Some fresh blackberries and strawberries and blueberries. And man, they are delicious. And whenever I walk into that kitchen, open that door to that refrigerator and get out that bowl and begin to eat that fruit, I know it's going to be awesome. Because fruit is good. Here's what I want to help you understand today. The fruit of the Spirit at work within your life is so good it makes a difference within this world and the fruit that you are producing it is recognizable you might say okay well pastor j as a believer what does that look like well let me tell you something whenever you are in a situation where things are falling apart and the fruit of the spirit of peace is at work within you people recognize that Amen, yeah. whenever you interact with somebody and the love of the, the father comes out of you And they sense that love. That is recognizable to people. Kindness is recognizable to people. Patience, the one that we all need work on. (laughs) It is so recognizable. Isn't it great when you interact with somebody and they're just so patient with you? Even though you might be being aggravating, they're just so patient and so loving with you. You are able to recognize the fruit of the Spirit. Here's the next thing. And probably the biggest one of all is that fruit is for others. You see, the fruit of the Spirit is in our life. And, and yes, it's for us because it is a great thing to, uh, to enjoy some peace in your life. Am I right? Yeah. It's a great thing to, to experience joy within your life. Am I right? right? But it's not just for us. It's for others around us. The people around us have the benefit of the fruit of the spirit at work within us. It reminds me of growing up, you know I grew up in a family where we always had a garden. And I know that there's others in this room that, that you garden as well. But one of the things I love growing up, I go to, at our house, we always had several gardens at my grandma Grandma's house. They always had several gardens. And every year, my grandma and grandpa, they had potatoes, they had tomatoes, they had uh, uh, purple whole peas, they had corn, they had lima beans. I'm just going to tell you straight up, lima beans, they nasty, okay? <laughs> I, I, I don't know why I've always hated lima beans. I put them in the category as broccoli. They're just disgusting, okay? But they always had tons of them. And here's what was really cool. My grandma and grandpa, they would they would have lots of fresh vegetables every time we went to their house. And they would always can and put vegetables up. My grandma and grandpa would always put the word out to their neighbors, their cousins, their family members. Hey, y'all come by the house. We got just tons of tomatoes. We got tons of purple whole peas. We got tons of zucchini and squash. And people would come by and pick that stuff up like you would not believe. They wanted to be able to be a blessing to the people and the community. Was it a blessing to them? Yeah. But it was also a blessing to everybody else within the community that they knew. You see, the fruit of the Spirit is something that is a tremendous benefit to us. It's a blessing to us. But the fruit of the Spirit is also for people all around us, wherever we are. That we have an opportunity for, to be able to, to represent the character and the nature of Jesus Christ to them. And man, what a wonderful thing it is for us to be able to let them see the fruit of the Spirit at work within us so that it can make a difference within their lives. A lot of people say, well, okay, Pastor, how do I get this type of fruit within my life? What are the steps to seeing this take place within my life? I I love Jesus. And I want to die to the flesh. And I want that fruit of the Spirit. We're talking about life coach. We're talking about the Holy Spirit leading me and directing me. We're talking about the Holy Spirit working through my life. What are the steps that I need to take that the fruit of the Spirit will be produced in me? Well, let's go back a couple verses. Galatians 5, 25. And I love whenever it says this. It says, since we live by the Spirit. In other words, when we make that decision to allow the Holy Spirit to lead our lives... It says, let us keep in step with the Spirit. You want the fruit of the Spirit produced in your life? Here's what it looks like. You stay in step with the Holy Spirit. I'm reminded of you, remember, I told you we always had a garden growing up. And one of my greatest memories of my dad was every year he would get the, the tiller out, he'd have to work on a little bit to get it running. He'd get out there and mark out the garden where he wanted all the rows and all that kind of stuff. Then he'd get that tiller out and he'd begin to work that ground. He'd get a garden rake out begin to rake out all the, the, the grass and all the weeds and all that kind of stuff. And eventually, he had that dirt just tilled up so fine. It was so beautiful. And I remember my dad, he'd be on that tiller and he'd be working that tiller. And he didn't want me running all around in the garden, but I wanted to be right there with my dad. And so as he's working that tiller and he's going down that row, and he would take good, long, wide steps, he'd put his foot down, he'd put his foot down, and I'd be right behind him. And I would put my foot, everywhere my dad's foot went, I'd put my foot right there in his footprint, walking down that row of the garden. And if I got out of line, he'd be like, oh, don't mess up the garden. He'd turn that tiller around and go that back the other way, and wherever he stepped... That's where I stepped. You see, that's the type of relationship that God wants with us. That we are in step with the Holy Spirit. We're not off doing our own thing like, hey, everything looks good here. I'm following the lead of the Holy Spirit. And then, boom, I just off do my own thing on a whim. But no, we stay in step with the Holy Spirit. We allow our feet to be in tune with His feet as we make decisions, as we interact with people. As we walk through this world and we build God's kingdom. And Paul recognized that the people within the Galatia region here, there were some issues going on. Some people coming to the church trying to take them off. Hey, follow after this you know, religion. Follow after these traditions. Follow after this. And Paul is saying, hey, you guys are about to, to lose the freedom that you got in walking in relationship with Jesus. You're about to forfeit that. Don't do that. Stay in step with the Holy Spirit and allow Him to lead your life. Amen? Amen. So here's what I want us to do today. I want you to close your eyes. Today, I want you to take a moment and allow the Holy Spirit to examine you. And here's what that looks like. Are you in step with the Holy Spirit? Or are you doing your own thing? is there flesh in your life that needs to be crucified in other words are there parts of your life where you're living in sin are there parts of your life where you're doing your own thing that paul says hey look you need to lay that down you need to put that to death in your life so that you can come alive in the holy spirit so that the fruit of the spirit can be produced so here's the question holy spirit what is it in me that you want to change so that i can stay in step with you holy spirit what is it in me that you want to change so that your fruit can be produced in my life and all of us within the body of christ need to be asking ourselves that question on a continual ongoing basis and for some of you in this room the first step would be surrendering your life to jesus maybe you latched on to religion but you haven't latched on to jesus maybe you're trying to live a religious life trying to be a good person to get into heaven. But the truth is this, and I I say this in love. As Paul said, you won't inherit the kingdom of God if you live this way. You will not inherit the kingdom of God if you've never accepted Christ to be the Lord and Savior of your life. Jesus said that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And maybe today you've never received what he did for you at the cross. He paid the price for your sins. And all you have to do is by faith receive what he did and surrender your life to him. And Maybe today as you sit here, you say, Pastor, I've never done that. But I realize I need to. I need to take that step to give my heart to Jesus for the first time. Or I need to renew my commitment to Christ and let him become first in my life once again. Listen to me, friend, if that's you, then here's what I want you to do. Right where you are. You can settle this right now. You can talk to the Lord and give him everything that you are at this very moment. And here's how you do that. Right where you are within your heart, you just talk to the Lord. And pray and say something like this, Jesus, thank you for loving me the way that you do, that you would go to the cross for me. Jesus, today, I receive by faith the price that you paid for my life. Today, I admit to you that I'm a sinner, and I ask for your forgiveness. Today, I repent for the sins of my life. and Through your precious blood, wash me clean and make me brand new. Today, I surrender to you. And Jesus, I ask you to come and live in my heart. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. And I thank you for the love, the grace, the truth that you extend to me. But Jesus, today, thank you for letting me step into your family. With every eye still closed, I'm going to pray for you. Every person in this room. And today, let it be your heart to ask the Lord what it is that he would want to change in you. So that his fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, is produced within all of our lives. Father, thank you so much for your presence here. That Holy Spirit, that you do the work that you do so well as you love on us, encourage us, you change us. Today, I pray that that none of us would hold back. None of us would make excuses. None of us would justify the things within our lives. But Father, we would come to you with an open heart and an open mind and just say, change me. Change me to be like you. Take the things of the world out of my life and replace them, Lord, with who you are. And today, as I step out of this building here in the next few moments, I want to go into this world and I want to represent you. I don't have all the answers, but Father, I can walk in your love. Your fruit can be very evident within my life to be a blessing to people wherever I am. In Jesus' name I pray. What's everybody say together? Amen. Is God good today? Amen. Now, here's what I want to ask you to do. I'm going to, don't leave yet. I know the tendency is to, to run for the exits when we say amen. But I want to tell you something. I want, to, I want to make an announcement here in a moment. And I also want to ask for you, here in a few moments, our prayer team is going to make their way to the front. And if you prayed that prayer to give your heart to Christ, I want you to take a moment before you leave and come and let our prayer team pray with you and encourage you. They're going to talk to you about your next steps in your walk with Jesus. But come and, and let them pray with you. And church family, if you need prayer for anything, don't walk out of here with things weighing heavy within your heart. Come and let our prayer team minister to you and pray for you. Now, here's the deal. Uh, We as a church uh, have something big that's on the horizon for us. Uh, You know, if you're anything like me, I love to see people come to Jesus. We launched Journey Church 11 years ago. And over the course of the last 11 years, we've watched tons of people come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And as the pastor, it's been absolutely amazing to, to watch people uh, accept Christ, grow in their relationship with Jesus, begin to make a difference in this world, begin to host life groups, begin to invite their, their friends, their neighbors, whoever they know to come to know Jesus as the Lord and Savior of their life. And so it's been awesome over the last 11 years to watch this happen. And what that means is the church has really grown. I mean, it has grown by leaps and bounds. We started off, uh, the very first Sunday we launched Journey, we were like, Lord, I hope 300 people show up. And you can imagine our shock when we had over 500 people show up. And over the last several years, the church has grown and grown and grown. And then the flood, it, it, it knocked us for a loop. Would you agree with that? But God is faithful, amen? And through that, we actually, last year, we added onto this auditorium 150 seats. But guess what? I know you would look around today and say, really? But we actually have, have filled up uh, all of those seats. Last weekend for Mother's Day, we had record attendance. Uh, for Easter, we had record attendance. Hey, check this out. For Easter, we had 2,473 people here, and uh, unbelievable tons of people giving their heart to christ and so the question that a lot of people have asked me okay what are the next steps for us as a church i've never made this a secret i've never held back on this and said you know what i'll tell y'all later i've always told y'all that one of these days that we would take strides in the area of being a multi-campus church being able to be a church that steps out into different communities just like central and being able to plan a life-giving church there we've got a great staff uh, quite a few great pastors on staff that we want to see them grow in the giftings that God has placed within their life, and so uh, that's the next step for us as a church is to plan additional campuses so that we can continue to see people come to know Jesus. Amen. Because that's really what it's all about. Amen? Amen. And so here's what's going on. We actually uh, this next week uh, we we have a building that we are purchasing as a church. And uh, it was one of those buildings that I drove by over and over and over. And the Holy Spirit just kept dinging my heart on this building like, hey, you need to go check that out. And so we put some things in place, some hurdles. We have to have this happen and this happen and this happen. if this, Lord, if this is really of you. And guess what? Everyone, I was telling somebody this morning, this has been the easiest process that I've ever faced as a pastor moving forward with a new building. And so here's what we're doing. Mar- the second week of March next year, we'll be launching Journey Church Watson. And uh, it's going to be a great uh, tool within that community. And. We were able to purchase, check this out, purchase an auditorium over there that'll hold about 320 to 350 people, 9,000 square foot building, four acres of property for $350,000. And here's the cool part, that is, Jonathan, am I correct in saying this? It's, It's pretty close to about half of what they were asking for. We made an offer and they received that offer and with the bank, with the appraisal, with the architect, everything is just flown forward and so we are looking to get in there do some construction, renovate this building and then launch that campus next year and uh, more information will be coming, I cannot answer all the questions, a lot of people are like what about this and this and this Uh, we've got a lot of decisions to make over the next eight months but I'm here to tell you it is going to be awesome and we are going to make the name of Jesus even more famous in Watson, so uh, that's what it's all about, Amen? amen? so let's all stand to our feet That's the news. Uh, I know that it has begun to trickle out, and some people are starting to find out. We let our leadership team know this past week, but we are so excited about what the future holds as we move in the direction of additional campuses. So don't forget this. Prayer team's going to go ahead and make their way here to the front, and as we leave out of here today, don't ever forget that we don't just go to church. Love you guys. Be blessed. We'll see you back here this next week.